Okay, all flight controllers, go, no, go for landing. Retro. Go. Righto. Go. Guidance. Go. Control. Go. Telcom. Go. GNC. Go. Ecom. Go. Surgeon. Go. Capcom, we're go for landing. downtown southern maryland it's time for gears of resistance episode number 91 for october 28th 2020 the pandemic continues uh hope everyone is doing well out there in listener land we are surviving here down in uh southern maryland it's been uh, an interesting few months and it doesn't look like it's going to be letting up anytime soon in fact I'm putting money on when we are going to go back into uh, a quarantine mode here in Maryland soon. I'm guessing within the next month or two. Um, Anyway, uh, so with that happy news out of the way, what's been going on? So uh, I think in the last episode, I talked about a uh, concept for a... um, a room workspace health monitoring, um, a device that would let you monitor all the... Uh, aspects of the uh, ambient air or the ambient uh, environment. So temperature, um, particulate matter, uh, CO2 levels, all that kind of stuff would be able to be monitored. And so we have the first um, complete prototype of that done. So we have um, enclosure, 3D printed. We have the circuit board that we got made by Oshpark all the sensors, and now it's going to be a matter of taking that, putting it in some real-world environment, learning from it, um, and then really uh, refining the software, um, and then uh, then going to a, uh, a determination of how much will it cost to take all the individual circuit boards that make up the uh, device. So it's right now it's just basically... Uh, breakout boards, and then we designed the uh, kind of like the motherboard for it all. And the question is, um, would integrating that all into one board, or go ahead and and maintain this more modular design? Um, what is cheaper? What is more cost effective? So we're gonna look at that. Uh, but mostly at this point, it's learning. Uh, instead of carrying around a thing that's on a breadboard. Now it's something that's uh, well-built, and you can take it out, put it in real-world situations, learn from it, and not have to worry about wires popping out and all that. And now we can, again, uh, refine the software. And uh, so, yeah, that's uh, what we've been working on in the evenings here. And uh, with that, let's go ahead and jump into some uh, cool news and other musings from the Internet. Um I believe, I don't believe I I had mentioned this last time, but if I did, I'll plug it again. Um, Allaboutcircuits.com, which is a site I've used forever. Uh, They, in the last probably month or two, let's see here. No, they started back in April, and I just found out about them about a month or two ago, is the Moore's Lobby podcast. Um, And they've had a few good episodes that I've listened to on my little walks through uh, during the day. Um, the future is coding, the firmware and software of hardware design. Um, I think they talked about, I remember the, the, the Laura Wan. I think they had the folks from the internet, uh, the things network on there. Um, 
mesh networking for IoT, the discussion between you know Zigbee, Z-Wave, and Bluetooth, and other wireless standards. So, um, pretty good. It's been um, it's been about a month since the last episode, though, which I can't really say much because I'm pretty bad at it too. But uh, anyway, check it out. Um, it's at all the places you can normally find a podcast. All right. Moving on, uh, SparkFun has been on a roll here in the last few weeks. So a couple weeks ago, actually a couple days ago, um, they introduced what's called SparkFun MicroMod. It's a new modular prototyping platform for interchanging microcontrollers. So basically, if you imagine um, an Arduino-looking shield, uh, an Arduino Uno, and instead of the Atmega microcontroller being um, soldered directly to the board imagine a um um a modular design where you can basically purchase a microcontroller on a smaller little board and you can then plug it into these uh carrier boards so basically you can have all the external stuff uh remain the same and then you can try different uh microcontrollers out um so they have it's called they're calling it the processor board and the carrier board. Um, so it's pretty cool. Now you can you can basically build something once, and um, if you want to try different microcontrollers, you don't have to rewire everything for every different board. Um, so it's pretty cool. Um, it's from uh, Mike. It's from SparkFun, but I believe they have. I think they're making it, I mean, it's nothing too fancy. I think, and I think they're open sourcing it. And basically they're making the, uh, kind of like what they did with I2C and their quick connect system. They're basically, they're standardizing, um, basically they're standardizing the, and open sourcing the interface between the processor board and the carrier board. So regardless of what microcontroller you have, um, the pin, the pinout, you know, the designer of that of the processor board will have to make sure that every uh, pin on the microcontroller goes to the pin on the, on the interface. Um, but once you've done, they take care of that. So you, as someone who's a, maybe a system integrator, you can try out different microcontrollers and it should all just be basically plug and play that um, whatever microcontroller they support with Micromod, uh, whatever pin is like the serial, you know, SDA and STL for I2C will always be the same. It'll always get um, ran out to the same pins on the interface. So again, you never have to worry about the external stuff changing. You can design that, build that once and uh, try out different processors. So that's pretty cool. Um, and then the next thing, kind of following on, along with what they're doing, um, they also introduced SparkFun a la carte. Um, <clears throat> which is um, basically an in-house uh, design shop. Basically, they've made a, uh, a website where you can basically take all their components that say you, you buy their stuff, you prototype something. Um, and kind of like we were talking about earlier with the, uh, the workspace health monitor, um, instead of, you know, when you want to go from prototype to production, you, you want to have a single board instead of a bunch of boards that are either wired together or um you can uh use their service and then i played with it a little bit so the, i mean you're, you're kind of buying into their ecosystem right so it's only the boards that they support um 
but basically you go in, you pick what CPU you want or what uh, microcontroller you want. Um, then you choose from basically the list of their breakout boards. You say, okay, so let's say here, we'll do one. Uh, I want a, an Artemis. And then I pick, I move over to components and I pick which kind of uh, sensors I want. So I picked out some air quality sensors, some atmospheric sensors, a micro SD socket. Then you jump over to connectors and you can choose what kind of connectors you want on the board. Do you want a three and a half millimeter jack, audio jack? Do you want some JST connectors? Do you want some screw terminals? Uh, you choose all that. And then you head over to power and decide how you want to power it. They have everything from uh, something to jack in a 12 uh, volt car power to battery power to solar power to USB, wall warts. Um, you, so you put all the components that you want on there. And um, I believe these are all flat rates. So I'm not sure. They might be a little bit. I know that basically. Uh, so you pick all your components. You figure out how much your board's going to cost. Um, and then there's a one-time upfront design fee, which is $950, basically. $949 um, for them to do the design in-house. And then anytime that you want to buy another board... It's just that price per board uh, afterwards. So say you want to go ahead and build a prototype, uh, take your prototype, put it onto a single board, uh, and just get maybe three or four boards back. You could you spend the one time up free $950. You spend uh, um, $225 for the three boards. You get them, you test them, you like them, and then you can just keep buying boards at the price per board cost, which in my case for those components I listed was about 75 bucks a board. So um, <clears throat> not not cheap um, in terms of if you have the ability to, um, you know, if you know uh, something like AutoCAD or Altium um, and you can design your own boards, um, you know, that obviously you, you don't have to do that design fee. Um, the price per board, my question only, uh, I believe it comes, it's a, it's a fully uh, assembled board that you get. I don't think you're then soldering everything on there. Um, I think you get an actually uh, an assembled board. So the price per board is actually not too bad. Um, again, I think that um, this is going to find, this is going to be a nice niche um, in between people who have double E degrees um, and work for big companies that do circuit design and people that are trying to maybe at least start a business that, you know, relies on embedded electronics, but they don't really necessarily have um, all the skills to do a full board, a full blown board uh, by themselves. Uh, it's interesting. I like it. I like it. I've always espoused that we've had this, that there's this, this emerging third um you know these new type of uh, new market for a new type of job where people who you know they don't design electronic components they may not be um experts at pcb layout but they kind of sit between people that just have ideas and the double e's of the world and these are these these integrator types that can you know they know a little bit of firmware they know a little bit of soft, uh, hardware um, and these tools and services that are emerging help um help those kind of folks um, succeed and I think it's an interesting um, potential uh, job sort uh, source for jobs um, in the future.
Anyway, um, check it out. It's uh, Spark Fun a la carte. All right, moving on. Uh, not to be outdone, Arduino has also released uh, a new product uh, in the last week called, I'm going to butcher it, Opla, Opla, O-P-L-A, but the A has a little accent mark over it, so it's something Italian that I don't can't pronounce. Uh, but basically, it's a carrier board with an OLED display and some sensors, and uh, I think it's eight capacitive touch buttons. Um, and then a Maker uh, 10, Wi-Fi 1010 board. So um, basically, it kind of looks like um, a Nest thermostat, mostly. I think that's what they were trying to copy after. Um, <clears throat> but they give some... Um, uh, so basically, the board itself has let's see, here, yeah, five five capacitive touch uh, buttons, temperature humidity sensor, a light sensor, a pressure sensor, an IMU sensor, um, SD card, micro SD card, um, uh, I think a piezo buzzer, um, some groove connectors, some relay connectors, a battery clip. Um, and then the, the slot for the Maker 1010. So the brains sit on the Maker 1010. All this extra stuff is there for you to um, basically, the Oopla IoT kit is what it's officially called. So it's again, Internet of Things make that easier um, for people who want to just do custom stuff. So they give you some examples what you can do with the kit. They have a remote controlled lights, personal weather station, smart garden thermostat control, home security alarm, solar a solar system tracker, inventory control, um, and a thinking about you example project. So if you're looking for something um, that, that kind of does a like little home IoT stuff. Um, this kit might be ch worth checking out. It's about, I think, 120 US dollars, give or take. Yeah. Uh, they also re release an updated um, Explore IoT kit too, which I, oh, actually, I think that that is the Oopla um, plus some additional sensors, I believe. So, anyway, we'll put links to all that in the show notes if you're interested in purchasing one of those. Um, Seed Studios talking about Arduino. Uh, there's a good article, good um, getting started guide on using um, free RTOS multitasking on Arduino. I think it's uh, SAMD 51 and SMD, SAMD 21 based boards. Um, and uh, basically teaches you how to use uh, you know, the, the library is accessible. Uh, you can get it through the IDE um, but this kind of shows you what the stuff you can do with the scheduler um, and gives you a little um, little understanding of, of basically how you can do some multitasking within the Arduino um, platform. It was a good, it was well written, so I want to share that. It's from uh, Philip Stevens. Uh, there's also on Arduino's website themselves, they have a good... Um, good article on uh, how to use the MIT App Inventor with Arduino Cloud. I think um, uh, we mentioned last time that uh, Arduino released an app for the, uh, the Arduino Cloud. Um, there's also, they bought the, uh, they took, they bought from Google the Science Kit uh, app. Um, and back when I've done some prototypes in the past that required um, 
especially like Bluetooth apps uh, to control Arduino products and Raspberry Pi stuff. Um, the MIT app vendor was a great way to build a uh, a functional, if not you know, not necessarily the most beautiful app, but it would at least let you be able to make an app to prove the concept um, and to do so without really understanding how Arduino or to, to develop an Android app um, professionally, which is always complex. I've always like every couple months I get this desire to learn how to, and then I download uh, um, Android Studio and I like sit there and I just it boggles my mind, and I give up and I go back to App Inventor, do the project and move on, and then forget about that desire. But anyway, there's a great project on Arduino's website talking about how to build apps with their uh, Arduino cloud with the Arduino cloud um, and uh, the MIT App Inventor. Uh, let's see here what else happened in the last couple weeks. Oh, uh, Texas Instruments uh, and Cadence made PSpice free, so you can go grab um, uh, PSpice. I think there's some restrictions, but overall it's free. I think they're um, Microcap 12 um, was another one that went free a little while ago. Um, anyway, if you're looking for a circuit simulation software uh, with a decent library set of, uh, of components, uh, you can now grab uh, PSpice for free. Let's see here. What is the, uh, what are the restrictions? I thought there was a website that explained what what the limitations were to do, do, do. Um, I'll tell you what we'll look for it and we'll, we'll post it in the show notes what exactly the limitations are um, all right moving on so um, in previous previous episodes previous um, project we've talked about um all the cool um, tool or the materials that were out there to do, um, uh, you know, wearable computing was kind of, it still is kind of uh, in vogue. Um, but pe- a lot of people that are, um, you know, um, conductive fabrics, conductive threads, um, the problem's always been the, the lack of tools. Um, uh, like the equivalent of a breadboard for uh, for um, wearables, since they don't have the traditional, um, you know, they, they're more uh, friendly for sewing and whatnot. Uh, but there's some tools on Hackaday. Uh, Christina Panos uh, invented some tools uh, with a seam ripper and a crochet hook, uh, and then connecting that to a multimeter, so you can kind of have tools that you would uh, traditionally um, use in doing wearables, electric, uh, uh, clothing, uh, textiles, and merging that with electronics, which is cool to see. Um, cause that was always my, my thinking was that, uh, the traditional electronic tools, um, just don't quite work. I mean, the, 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 the form of them doesn't work. So it's cool to see people, um, coming up with uh, uh, tools to do prototyping for wearable electronics. 
Uh, what else? And speaking of, so, um, speaking of wearables and clothing, uh, there's another article from Adafruit, uh, fashion designer Matilde Rougier. I know I just butchered that name pretty bad. Um, has been using, um, I think she was a student and yeah, um, she was working on her frontal project. Uh, to create gar- her goal was to create garments from previous garments she had designed, um, and basically the idea is to reduce waste in materials. So she's used uh, artificial intelligence and augmented reality to design a piece of software that basically can uh, look at the garment um, and. Um, Basically, the goal is to optimize the reuse of existing fabrics, to take the other projects and reuse that for a new design to be uh, uh, environmentally friendly. Um, actually, I think the original article came from, I think it's called Textile, Textiler. So we'll link both of those. Um, but I saw this on Adafruit and it was pretty cool. Um, okay, moving on. One of the things that we... Uh, pride ourselves here at green shoe garage is talking about um doing doing documentation doing writing really well communicating well so opensource.com has an article a really it was a really good article on five questions to ask yourself when writing project documentation um and we'll just hit them real quick so if you too long didn't read it's who is the document owner what is the document type um what is the channel so what is the format of the document? Who is the target audience? And what is the purpose of the document? So asking yourself those five questions helps you drive to creating um, a better project documentation, be it written, you know, visual, um, or probably a combination of both. Um, anyway. That was a pretty good one by Alex, Alexei Litinov. Litinov, I can't pronounce anything. I can't even pronounce my own name. Um, let's see here. Seed Studio also put out an article um, about uh, IPC standards for uh, circuit board design. So I was, um, in dealing with medical wearables, uh, came across or learned about IPC standards. Um, basically, um, what to look for in terms of uh, everything from solderability, the package types, wiring harnesses, uh, assembly support, anything about the making a circuit board. There's these various standards. Um, and IPC, uh, back in the day when it was founded in 1957, stood for the Institute of Printed Circuits. Uh, they changed their self, They changed their names to the Association of Connecting Electronic Industries in 1999, but the mark and the abbreviation IPC uh, remains. So, again, moving that talking about that move from prototyping into professional product design. Um, one thing to learn about is IPC standards, um, and then again, especially if you want to do anything that deals with medical or uh, health monitoring um, this the, the these there's a lot of standards um, that you should be aware of on uh, again design that circuit board for, for those applications and this article from seed kind of does a good job of giving the highlights 
what else did we learn about those cool? Oh, uh, if you're a ham radio uh, enthusiast, um, and you know that everything's just like the rest of the world, things have gone digital. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the stuff um, has been proprietary protocols. Um, so like DMR, Fusion, D-Star, all those standards. But basically, you've got to buy a radio or an adapter uh, that for every one of those radios or buy in a radio that has all of them. Uh, because they're all proprietary, it's expensive, right? Uh, so there is a, um open source uh, initiative uh, out there to build what's called the M17 standard or protocol, which would be a... Um, um, a new a new uh, digital um, protocol that would hopefully replace all the others. So um, it is pretty cool. Um, anything to begin to return and democratize uh, amateur radio, um, kind of like you know what open source hardware has done for like electronic design making that free or not free but uh, accessible more accessible um more uh open and inclusive i think it's pretty cool um and i think they actually have a uh Or is it, yeah, so they have a, they have a the transceiver here, um, board done. Um, anyway, I'll just put the, um, the link to it. Um, yeah, I, I just, I think it's, uh, one of the things that kind of killed me with, with radio or being into hand radio is that I had, um, um, you know, I was listening to a lot of folks on our local repeater, and then over the last few years, fewer and fewer people were there because everyone switched over to digital radios, and it just, it, to me, I was just never uh, that interested. Um, I did, like, PSK31 on HF bands, but the local stuff, because the thing was, was it a D-Star radio? Was it a DMR? Who was going to win? Um, and I think anytime you have those... Um, those competitions, those races for protocols, just like, you know, it's why the internet of things, um, it's hard because there's not, you know, it's the, you want everything to talk together, to work together. But, um, say like in your home automation stuff, but because everyone from either the, the Googles, the Apples, the Amazons of the world on that side, um, to the people that make uh, your air conditioners, your you know your carriers, your trains. Um, there's just so much competition, um, and, and really, you know, not there's just too many competing standards, and and things don't really. Um, the the other issue the IoT world has, or the tech world has, more so than radio, is that. Um, People are hesitant to invest because products go stale uh, so fast. Um, that would be interesting. What would happen to ham radio if if radios had changed as fast as um, 
like people give up cell phones would that have would that have changed uh, anything with the adoption of radio i don't know anyway interesting thought experiment um what else do we have here avast had a article on uh a pretty good or, uh, article on reverse engineering and therefore hacking a, a coffee maker uh, the steps and procedures um that someone did to uh to basically be able to send commands and start coffee um not using the official uh smartphone app or uh um so they were able to uh, reverse engineer and uh, basically send commands to their, their coffee maker on their computer, bypassing, and then obviously it's a proof of concept for uh, um, bad, bad folks doing other bad things like uh, holding, your, uh, holding your coffee maker ransom with ransomware or whatnot. So we'll post a link to that as well. Let's see. Cranking it out here. Uh, we've been, been writing a series of articles for Mauser on uh, MicroPython, um, and we dived a little bit into Circuit Python the other on my one of my last articles for him, um, which is the Adafruit offshoot of MicroPython, which is meant to be more at the aimed at the maker slash uh, education community. But in doing research for that, I found out something called uh, ArduPy, which is Arduino. All right, A-R-D-U-P-Y, R-G-P-Y. So take Arduino, take MicroPython, bring it together. It's a, um, it's a now I guess a third competing um, uh, a programming language for microcontrollers. Um, or some salads, a lot, you know, a way to program with either CircuitPython or Arduino. So anyway, if you're interested in learning, um, obviously C is still the dominant king of the embedded world, um, C and C++, but more so C, but there are a lot of interesting, um, I certainly learned a lot in writing those articles about what, um, what other, um, languages are out there, um, and what the future, uh, might look like. Um, if you're into cybersecurity, Hack5 released the version 3.0 of their Cloud C2 software um, command and control. So basically for all their devices that lets you uh, do pen testing and um, uh, red teaming on, um, or even, even a lot of people actually use it just to do um, your normal sysadmin kind of system administrator work. Um, so if you're into that world, either in the, if you're either a pen tester or a sysadmin, um, the new software introduces what's called a Teams edition, uh, lets you now have multiple users and multiple sites. Um, in addition to the the free com uh, community version and then the professional, which is more meant for like consultants, one people who what uh, one one person teams um, who might be doing one client at a time. Um, Anyway, the 3.0 version looks really pretty, looks really nice. Um, it also has support now for the Mark 7 Wi-Fi Pineapple, which and that the new Pineapple has, which is their Wi-Fi um, tool, security assessment tool. Um, 
kind of looks like the 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 uh the interface for that anyway if you're curious you're interested you can check that out again they have a free community edition if you're so interested uh, this was a cool article. Um, this was from BBC News, um, and the, the I'll just the 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 headline is Internet colon old TV caused village broadband outages for eighteen months. Um, so basically, every morning at around seven a.m. in this one village, uh, again I can't pronounce these names, Aberhosen. Aberhosen, A-B-E-R-H-O-S-A-N. Um, every morning they'd wake up seven o'clock. Um, the the cable internet and the, the broadband in the in the village would go out, um, and uh, they couldn't figure out why. So eventually, the internet service provider uh, went out. They got some equipment. Um, and they detected this really massive, um, noisy signal that would come on around every morning at 7 a.m. Low to find out, they narrowed it down to this gentleman who has this old, old CRT television. And he would f- turn the knob and it would cause such a spike. Then, again, talking about EMI and interference and how things work and don't work and things that work in weird ways. Um... Uh, this television, I guess, was giving up enough noise or a, a high enough of a, of a spike that it would just knock out the um, the repeater or whatever um, equipment for the internet in the, the entire village. Um, so pretty cool. I would love to see a more detailed technical article to understand a little more exactly what was going on. Um, but it is just pretty neat to think that you know television from like the 1980s as uh knocking out uh broadband internet in 2020 um then there was another cool article just these are my my fun interesting things ken sheriff um who guess he's a uh he's big into reverse engineering he wrote an article on his exploits in reverse and en- reverse engineering the world's first fpga which was the XC2064, and he talks, it's a good history. Um, one, it's a good lesson about FPGAs in general, and then his specific efforts to reverse engineer and understand um, the blockchain or the, um, the logic blocks and how everything works and how you would program. Uh, because the FPGA world, one of its biggest problems is kind of like where microcontrollers was 10 years ago, is that everything's very expensive everything's proprietary the tool chains are hard to understand um that's why we really still haven't really broken through in uh making an arduino like fpga um but anyway his 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 efforts was pretty cool and it's a really good write-up and we'll share the link to that article as well or his blog post um there's also another cool article that I, it's many years old, but I just heard about it uh, through, I think it was a, a documentary on Amazon about video game, the history of video games. And it talked about the history of the, uh, the video game cartridge. Uh, the, um, um, uh, you know, basically, back, you know, we don't use them today. Everything's either download or 
DVD, Blu-ray today, but everything's rapidly going to digital only. But <clears throat> if you're a child of the 80s video game cartridges, especially Nintendo, and you know the thinking that you had to blow into the t- into the ca- the cartridge to get it to work, um, the actual the the um, invention of the game cartridge was two gentlemen, uh, Wallace Kirshner and Lawrence Haskell. Um, and they worked on, there's a console called the Channel F console, which was um, made back by Fairchild uh, back, uh, I guess, just exactly 40 years ago. So 1980. Um, so Channel F, which is, again, a video game system I've never heard of, uh, was the first to have a cartridge. Um, and it was uh, founded by... Uh, I guess two two gentlemen that um, the you know the history of which um, kind of they're kind of like forgotten. Um, anyway, uh, it's a good article on the history uh, of the uh, the cartridge, and uh, there's some uh, interesting. Uh, it's just, it's a good interesting story, and we'll just leave it at that. Um, and you can check that out. Last but not least, Ubuntu, uh, Ubuntu Desktop 20.10. I think that's how you say it, 20.10. Uh, the release came out uh, this uh, past week. And uh, it's the first one to be optimized for uh, Raspberry Pi. So in other words, you get now have the full uh, Ubuntu Desktop experience uh, on um, the Raspberry Pi. I believe it's specifically for the raspberry pi oh two three and four so it's not just the latest um you now uh you get the full uh experience so i'm going to fire that up here probably the next couple of weeks uh, get my my uh, raspberry pi 4 get an sd card and uh test out the the ubuntu uh in all its glory and see how that compares to the raspian or uh, I guess they're calling it Raspberry Pi OS now. Um, uh, the other thing is, I guess, uh, there's new compute um, modules for Raspberry Pi. So Raspberry Pi 4 came out. That's like the, you know, prototype board, the the, the development uh, board. But if you want to actually take their technology and embed it into an actual product, um they come with these called their compute modules, but basically you plug, you would plug that. They're a little bit less expensive because they're, they take away a lot of like the peripherals that you would use as a computer. Um, you know, people use the, the Raspberry Pi as a, as a computer versus using it as an embedded system. Uh, the compute modules give you all that performance. Um, and, uh, this, you know, the same development environment, but it's meant to just then be plugged into another board um, as part of, a, of an embedded system. So uh, the Raspberry Pi 4 came out a few uh, months ago. Now the compute modules that are built on the same uh, technology um, are out. They did change the form factor. So if you've used some of their older compute modules, it is a different form factor now. Um, and, but they're giving you more options on... Um, you can either choose to have it with or without wireless connectivity, and then you can change the amount of RAM and the amount of flash memory. So there's different uh, SKUs you can pick now to meet your specific needs. 
And I think that is it. We've gone for almost 40 minutes. That's pretty impressive. Um, so with that, we're going to go ahead and uh, leave it at that. Hopefully we'll see you back here in a few weeks, if not a few months, for episode number 92. But uh, until next time, thank you all very much for listening. And uh, stay quirky, have funk, keep it funky, keep steaming. I don't know. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. Thank you.